The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. Your host is Jackie McLennigan. In this program, we'll show you how to make your marketing plan work by helping you stand out and become a bigger player in your industry. Are you ready? Here's your host, Jackie McLennigan. Hello and welcome. So today we are talking about personality versus persona. And we all have, we have that professional voice, we have that mirror face, and we have all of the different roles that we play in all areas of our lives. And I wanted to know, I was thinking about this, I was thinking in great detail, especially after meeting the guests that I'm going to introduce you to today, if our personalities and our personas are different. And what I've discovered is that the answer is a raging yes, they are different. A persona is defined as things like your social role or maybe a character that's played by an actor. Um, personas, a lot of things what business owners try to put on, maybe if, especially in the speaking industry, where we think that we have to look a certain way or act a certain way and we give only that one facet of our personality and we don't let anyone get past those barriers of the persona, per se. <laughs> I amuse myself. Um, so anyways, one of the things that are really interesting about a persona is be, they are very valuable. I mean, we do want to present well to the world. We want people to see us in a certain light. It helps us connect to our audiences. It helps for people to see themselves in us. But personality is a little bit more complex. So a personality would be more defined as you know, your thoughts, your feelings, your experiences, beliefs, desires. It's those special nuances that make us us. And in today's world, I think it's really imperative that you have to develop that persona of expert in your industry. So if you're a business owner, you actually have to be an expert nowadays. And the reason is because we have so much information out there that we really do need to show that we know what we're talking about. And we have to show that we know what we're talking about in a concise manner. And so this is how people become successful. And, it, and I think that there's a but here. And I think there's a really big but. And I have to tell you this. I like big buts in the if and or the if and and or way. <laughs> the if and or way. Not in the anatomical way. But, but people's BS met meters right now are extremely sensitive. <laughs> so it might sound cliche, but I think that authenticity matters. And so I thought to myself, what could be more real, more true, and more authentic than world wrestling, the world wrestling world, WWE, if you will. And I, I mean, we all know it's real. It's completely real. Those wrestlers, they are like that. <laughs> but I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Of course, we all know it's not real. I have a very important question to ask you, and it is this. <gasps> are you ready to rumble? Rick, are you there? <laughs> are you talking to me? Okay, I thought you were no, talking to the listeners. I'm, I'm, just I'm, I'm, I'm talking to the. 
I'm talking into the void. I'm just kidding. What I have here today, who I have here today is Rick Titan. And I'm really excited that he's here because he's a former world champion. Um, he was a wrestler. He had a lot of different personas. And he dedicated his life to, uh, you know, wrestling. But now he's into uh, dedicating his life to the betterment of others, helping people with their, their minds, their bodies, their intellect, their emotions. And he does this through coaching and speaking. So welcome, Rick. I'm glad you're here. I'm delighted to be here, Jackie. Thanks so much. It's, it's very, yeah. very cool. Yeah, well, thank you very much for coming. And I was really excited to meet you. I've known about you for a long time. I know a few of your personas. I'm not going to blow that cover right now. Um, I was excited to meet you face-to-face because we had been sort of interacting in similar worlds for a while. And I was happy when you reached out. And I think that we should start this off with one of the most important questions that people might have for you. And that is, how many steel chairs have you hit people over the head with? Steel chairs. I can't even. I lost count. <laughs> lost count. I know. Classic. Obviously. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, I'm really excited that you're here because you've gone through a complete transformation several times in your life. You've reinvented yourself, and you have a really interesting background, a really interesting story. But before we get into that, I'd like for you just to tell us a little bit about yourself, about your wrestling career. Back in 1989, I'm dating my age here. Uh, actually, when I was more like 86, when I was 16, I was watching wrestling on TV, and I watched Ric Flair and Ronnie Garvin and Hands of Stone in the cage match. And I was doing martial arts at the time, and I was already six foot five, <laughs> and um, I could slam dunk a basketball. And I thought I can't sit behind these tiny desks all my life. And I couldn't imagine doing something like that, which I do a lot of these days. <laughs> but uh, I, I just started. I wanted to get into a ring, so I put the word out there. I'm a real networker. I always have been. And I found somebody who had been in all-star wrestling and started to learn. And he got me in a boxing ring, which is rock hard. And he said, go to the bottom rope, do a flip line on your back. And I said, okay, did it. <laughs> go to the second rope, do it. I said, okay, did it. So let's go to the top rope and uh, flip over and line your back. I did. And I got up and I looked at him. And he looked at his buddy and they had big, big eyeballs. And I thought, well, what did I do wrong? And they're like, no, <laughs> no, man, I've never seen anything like that before. <laughs> oh, man. Like, I do not have I a story started. like that. <laughs> And then um, over the next couple of years, I really thought about it and I watched more and more of the World Wrestling Entertainment WCW. And I thought I saw them going through Calgary here. I'm from Vancouver originally, and uh, I decided I was going to move to Calgary, get into Stampede Wrestling, and uh, go into the states. And, and I wanted to be a big star. And, and the money didn't even matter to me that much, but I knew it would come along with it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it got started. Yeah. And so you've played a lot of different uh, characters, and you've had a lot of different personas in your wrestling mm. career. Can you just tell us a little bit about what they were? Funny thing was, is we were just talking about this in the meeting earlier. When I was in Vancouver, I saw a stick. It was a Titan hockey stick. And <laughs> I thought Rick Titan would be a cool name. Nobody's ever used it. So I went with Rick Titan and then ended up being the Titan. And at one point, they wanted to put a mask on me to make me more mysterious. So I was Megan Mask for a while. Went over <laughs> to Japan and they confused the R's and their L's a lot. So they didn't want to call me Lick Titan. they asked me to paint my face and and this is a very nice compliment but they told me I had to paint my face because I was too handsome (laughs) they wanted a bad guy so they called me Big Titan in Japan because they could pronounce that better so that was one of the characters I played Yeah. and And did he have any kind of special uh, like what was he what was his backstory because I know these wrestlers have backstories what was Big Titan's backstory 
for me, that's sort of amalgamated all my favorite characters, Ravishing Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, of course, Hulk Hogan, Randy Macho Man Savage, Ultimate Warrior, the Road Warriors, and every guy named Sting, not the singer. And they're all face-painted, very aggressive. And so that's what I took over to Japan. And it was kind of a street fight match company, thus the steel chairs. You know, they did yeah. rope barbed wire matches and all that stuff. So it was a really aggressive, just full of fury and anger kind of a character. And it was a lot of fun to play. Oh, that's fun. Um, so that was one. I know you have a few more. Why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the other characters? Well, in Calgary here, and typically whenever I went to a promotion, they had like five good guys and two bad guys, and they'd always ask me to be the bad guy. So I, was, <laughs> I always wanted to be the good guy. I think when you're younger, that's all you want to be is, is for everyone to love you and, and think you're so great and all these things. And uh, I always had to be the bad guy. I didn't like it for the longest time, but in Japan, it got to be fun because it was so easy. If nobody knows who you are and you go out there and you try and play good guy, you get pretty much a flat audience reaction. I was mm. really talented, which I probably wasn't at the time. And then being a bad guy, though, you could flip him the bird, you could sneer at him, you could add cocky, <laughs> whatever you wanted to, and play this character, and they, they just hate your guts, and it's so easy, and it's like, after a while, okay, I'll play a bad guy, just show me the money. And, yeah. Um, yeah, and then later on in Calgary, because I was the tallest and probably most muscular guy in, in the town at the time for smaller promotions, they wanted me to be Rick Titan and put the championship belt on me. Yes, it's, it's given to you. <laughs> and, and be this really? uh, <laughs> not the volume of chairs hit over heads or clotheslines applied well the chairs are real <laughs> oh. I just learned to block them okay <laughs> yeah, they this, I had blonde blonde street hair and they wanted a good guy so I was just sort of a hero here in Calgary and then go back and play the bad guy in Japan and then ended up going uh, all over Japan and then Germany and Austria they always wanted me as a bad guy so I was big titan over in Germany and Austria again and then I went to ECW Extreme Championship Wrestling, which, again, was uh, real street fight matches in Philadelphia and around the area. And I played just for kicks. I did the Scott Hall kind of an imitation. He was the original Razor Ramon. And Paulie Dangerously, the promoter, says, and there were no parodies there at the time, just to preframe. Um, mm-hmm. Stevie Richards, this small little guy, was playing Diesel, who was a big seven-foot guy. And, and he would throw his arm up and pull his fist down as if he were pulling a diesel horn. Another guy named the Blue Meanie wore a half shirt with this big white belly sticking out. Played the heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels, real handsome guy for WWE. And then Paulie says to me, here's what I want you to do in the six-night tag. And I said, what the F do you want me to do, man? <laughs> he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, can you do that out there? And so I said, oh, geez, let me talk to Sabu and Chris Jericho and the other guys that were moving on to World Wrestling Entertainment. And I said, well, I figured it would be either a real springboard for me into the big leagues because I always wanted to be in the big leagues in the States or be the last nail in my coffin. But I went mm-hmm. out there and I did it, and uh, I took the mic and I said, Hack Myers, I got no problem with you, but Dudley Brothers, I'm going to kick your effing ass. And I threw the toothpick <laughs> at them, and I had the accent right, and the crowd went through the roof. Aww. And uh, months later, Bret Hart got me, Bret the Hitman Hart here from Calgary, got me into WWE for a tryout as with Titan, and um, I worked over this young guy, pretty good, poor guy, but I wanted to make an impact, and he was one of those guys who lost every match, so I had to get myself over and secure my job, and two weeks later, Vince McMahon himself calls me and says, Rick, the people want Razor Ramon back. I own the trademark, the copyright, the costume, and I want you to be my new Razor Ramon. And it might have been my one and only chance, so I said yes. Nice. Razor Ramon. That's so cool. (laughs) You know, um, what I think is really interesting when I was talking about you, or talking with you, is that, um, you know, that... 
In wrestling, the persona is the marketing, right? And this is a show about small business marketing and extreme exposure and all that good stuff and using your personality. So you're a natural fit to be here. But, you know, the in the um, in wrestling, sorry, I lost my words there. In wrestling, the persona is the marketing, right? So, and you were kind of talking about this right now where you, uh, you have to get the crowd over, right? And so that's a part of the whole marketing thing. Good or bad, it doesn't really matter. You didn't have to be that good guy. What does it mean to get that audience over? Well, uh, the term we used was getting over with the, with the audience. Same oh, getting thing. over with the audience. Okay, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not a professional a wrestler, Rick. <laughs> yeah, how can you know the backstage terminology, right? Yeah. Uh, either you're needling them with a little needle and the ribs poking and prodding and irritating them and, and kind of pissing them off, or you go out there and you show them the virtues and the values of, of humankind and, and uh, as pure and, and positive as, and powerful as you possibly can be to represent everyone's highest self. Mm-hmm. And uh, even with the Razor Ramon character, it was the opposite of the big Titan character because he walked slowly with a saunter and his knees were like hinges and he was cocky and slow and arrogant and, and had mm-hmm. his back hair. He used to put a whack of gel in my hair and spray it all with water so <laughs> dripping when I went to the ring and oozing my cheese mold. And yeah. people, yeah. yeah, it was so gross, but at one point the people really hated it because he was so dirty and greasy. And it was taken from the Scarface movie with Al Pacino. That's mm-hmm. what the character was taken from, and uh, and after a while, though, the laid back part and the confidence and the oozing, maybe overconfidence, people I think at that time really kind of needed that to relate to. And yeah, the character turned into a bit more of a good guy. Yeah, just uh, somebody, somebody very confident and, and calm. Yeah, well, I like that, you know, because. Uh, we all know that wrestling's not 100% real. I know that you've told yeah. me a lot of sort of the secrets, and there's a lot of real stuff. The chairs are real. A lot of guys get hurt. You have to be physically fit. But the overall premise is the, these characters. And the audience wants to to get over with you. They want to either really love you or hate you. And what they have to do is they have to suspend that disbelief, right? Yeah. And yeah, we want to believe it. That is 100% real, and that is the guy, and we pick that alter ego within ourselves, and we we relate to it, like you said, right? But I think that this isn't really the case in marketing anymore. You know, people do mm-hmm. not believe you. You come out there, and you tell them something, mm-hmm. they're like, yeah, right. Right off the hop, they're eyeballing you sideways, like, what are you trying to pull here, <laughs> you know? So we have to be a lot more... Um, we have to prove what we're what we're doing, and we have to give that element of how can they relate to us. So I do think that a business owner has to have personas, right? You know, but we have to add that that element, like I said earlier, of authenticity within it, right? Yeah, there's got to be that meat and potatoes in there as yeah. well. You know, you've got to you've got to have the mechanics behind it. If you're going to fix somebody's car, you can't just talk about it or turn a couple wrenches. You got to be able to get your roll your sleeves up, get your hands dirty, and know what you're doing, and have a lot of experience behind you. Yeah, I love that. And one of the things that you said that I really liked was that to make this happen, to really get your audience on board with you, you have to make your opponent look good. Good or bad, you're either winning really well or you're losing really well, you know? Can you talk a little bit about that process? Tell us yeah, about that. You know, it was like a dance, really. Uh, I actually went into Calgary's Dance, Dancing with Calgary Stars last September and learned the rumba <laughs> in about three months and danced with this Five foot one Filipino girl. We had a great dance. I spun her up and did a reverse razor's edge on her. Did a waterfall. <laughs> they call on that dance to the ground. We did a, 
a lunge to the side, and then she tore my shirt open at the end in front of 350 people, which uh, I don't have the confidence I used to because I used to be huge and ripped. But <laughs> it was still <laughs> fun, and I was fit at least. <laughs> but I know. It really it's like rough that. when you lose your confidence to have people rip your shirt off. That's always a problem. <laughs> <laughs> but wrestling was just like a dance, and you have to be so careful. And uh, one of the yeah. sayings that this guy, Tiger Jeet Singh in Japan, said to me, this is the East Indian guy. He goes, you take care of my body, and I will take care of your body, Titan. <laughs> I said, yeah, yeah, I, I get it. You know, I don't need to have my neck broken, which I have had, by the way. Yeah, and, uh, I know. That's the other crazy. part is you can't fake pressing a 280-pound guy off your head. There's no fake in that. There's a yeah. little jumping, a little bit of extra effort there, but there are a lot of things in there, and flying in the air at eight feet in the air yourself, weighing 290 pounds, you can't fake that. But a lot of it's you know, not landing a punch in the wrong space, you can whack somebody on the neck or the back or something like that, but you punch somebody in the nose or the jaw and you're known as a crowbar. So there's a lot of lines <laughs> you don't want to cross. But really, and again, so it gets down to putting the other person over and shining them up, we call it. I love yeah. that. But that, but that's yeah. the same thing with marketing too, right? When you're mm-hmm. in your business, if you're not showcasing what you can do for them and you're trying to make your clients look really good and you actually care and you're putting that thought behind it. So I think that's a really great metaphor for business. You know, don't yeah. you agree? Yeah, yeah. yeah and, and hmm, go ahead. Well, I was thinking, you know, it took years and years of working out, sometimes three hours a day in my early 20s in the gym, and, and I'll be eating like six to eight times a day until I almost puked every meal, going <laughs> in the ring, training with a couple of Japanese trainers who made me flip on my back like a hundred times in an afternoon or and jump up and land backwards in my back another hundred times and get up faster, faster, higher, good, good, oh, no good, yeah. no good, making do it over and over and over again. The last yeah. 15 years, I've totally immersed myself in learning as much as I can about Hinduism and non-duality and yoga philosophies. And I'm not just talking about the exercise. That's one-fifth of the yoga yeah. system. And, yeah. and uh, Taoism and studied with a Buddhist monk for four years and went three times a week for about three hours. Hey, you're hours skipping ahead. I have specific questions about that. Don't <laughs> okay. give it all away. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm just really, I'm... really digging deep and really knowing your stuff and studying your brains out and being the very best you can be at it, you know? Yeah. So it's not just about the show. And, you know, this is a lot of things that I see in business owners. They decide they're going to do something. That's the thing. But they don't put, and I'm going to use your words, that the meat and potatoes behind it, right? All of the effort that goes into taking something because we do need to present well and show our our best selves. But you also have to have that element of I'm going to make this person look good. What's in it for my client? And I'm also going to learn and be the best that I can be too, right? Like, Mm -hmm. would you say that's some, some good takeaways that we're getting from your awesome metaphors? Yeah, and I, I think the word empower is a bit of a cliche, but maybe power up or something. When I said power shine up. up the other person, you know, yeah. power up your, your client or power up your audience and give them some good takeaways, give them something solid, give them a transformation yeah. when they walk away. Love it. I love that so much. So we're going to head on over to break in a, a second here. But when we come back, what I'd like to talk about is the transformation that you went. Because I think that... Um, Going from that world into the secret world that we're going to tell you after the break that you're in now, I think there's some really beautiful things that you're out there doing in the world. I'm so excited for you to share that with people. So we'll be back in just a few minutes and we'll talk some more with Rick Titan. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. There are two types of leaders in business. Those who are nice, compassionate people. And frankly, they are the people who fail to get a lot done. 
Then there are those who can get everything done and so much more. But they are greedy, unethical, and self-centered. The Compassionate Samurai Business Hour with Kathy Fairbanks finds a way to use the best of both types of leaders to help you create a dynamic roadmap to success. Tune in every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Business. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned into Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. To reach Jackie or her guest today, we invite you to call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to Jackie M at purepotentials.com. Now, back to Extreme Exposure. Welcome back. We're here with Rick Titan, and Rick is a former world champion in the wrestling world. He was Razor Ramon, if you watched wrestling and you know what that character is, which a lot of people do, which is very exciting. Um, and we're talking about personality versus persona. So, Earlier, you were talking about how you had to work really hard and you had to get physically uh, and mentally ready to achieve, you know, this to be the wrestler, essentially. Right. But my question to you is in making these characters. So more about the character side of things. Did your own personality ever come through in that or was it completely just a fabricated experience? I think that. You know, we've all got, and um, my friend John Martini from Secret always says this, real gentleman, and I, I'm honored to be his friend and have him as a mentor. He talks about balance in life and talks about we're not all good, all kind, all compassionate, all sweet all the time. We're not all evil, all bad, all mean, but sometimes we're mean, sometimes we're bad, you know, to a certain subtle level or, or certain um, frequency. And uh, I think playing the bad guy was really fun because I could get that part of me out. We've all got these parts in us. And I could act it out and get it out of my system and not use it in my normal everyday life. Blow I off the like steam that. and be a, be a bit yeah. of a once in a while. You know? Oh, <laughs> I love that, you. yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because uh, when I met you, we were discussing our backgrounds and our pasts. And I told you that I had been a theater producer and actor in for a lot of years, right? Yeah, and yeah. one of my one of the fun things that I used to like to do also is play these sort of alternative characters outside of the norm. But I also wrote the plays. And the, the funny story here is that I played this really awful character one night at this event. And I had such a great time playing this character. And this man came up to me and he's like, you you are awful and blah, blah, blah. He was all mad at me. And I said, hey, man, I'm actually nice. This is just a character that I'm playing. He's like, yeah, you know what, though? If you are able to play something that well, you are like that. You know, you're you're mean. That's who you are. You are this one thing, right? And I said, well, what about that character over there? Did you like them? Yeah, they were great. What about that one? Yeah, they were great, too. And I said, I wrote them all. (laughs) So I'm actually all those characters. 
And I think yeah. you hit the nail on the head, right? It's just this, it's about expression, but it's still yeah. taking something within you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not all good. We're not all bad. We've got a blend of everything in different subtle levels, you know? Yeah. Um, part of it too is just getting into these characters and having a lot of fun with them and taking your own personality out of it. And, you know, giving people top value for what they're coming for. If they want to be entertained and that's your job and you know it, and if they want something really evil and they want to step into their own and get, Mm -hmm. like you said, suspending their disbelief, it's like watching one of these ridiculous car chases in the movies where they're flying over all these ramps, keep on (laughs) driving, or the Dukes of Hazzard. There's no way the car would still be running, right? Yeah. We get into it. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Have you seen me drive? (laughs) (laughs) I have a supercharged engine, so it begs for me to... Dukes of Hazard it up. No, I'm just kidding. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so on the other, on the flip side, you have these personas, right? And you've heard of method acting or, you know, things like that. Did they ever have any kind of effect on your personality? You know what I mean? You know, I, I think the last couple of years when I was in it, I was on the road so much and playing that character so much. It did sort of bleed over into my personality. And part of it was the fans clamoring after you. We see these people, I think I heard something about... Um, Russell Crowe throwing a, a cell phone at some paparazzi's head or something a while back. <laughs> and another story, yeah, because he just, he lost it. And people, Hulk Hogan was sitting in Vancouver in one of the stalls, going to the bathroom. Some fan starts crawling under the stall to get his autograph. Just things that just would drive you crazy as a normal human being. And people yeah. don't want to get that and the pressure of that. I had fans when I walked from the arena to the New World Order bus. And, and they'd be <sighs> chopping me and hitting me while I'm carrying my suitcase and my bags to the bus. And I couldn't even hold up my hands to the other. And they were loving it and having so much fun. And I was choked, you know? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Mark Harmon, one of the, I think, one of the better actors out there, um, did a movie of the week where he played the bad guy and he was raping and just an awful, horrible, horrible person. Some lady in her 60s or 70s was walking down the street. She saw him in the street, started throwing rocks and screaming at him. He was like, it was acting. It was acting. (laughs) It wasn't me. I was acting. Yeah, yeah, I know it's um, it's tough, right? Because you 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 have this fine razor's edge of, <laughs> and it, and it, and it's in a lot of business owners too. Because we have these successes, you know. I work with a lot of speakers, and you're you know you're a speaker as well. And there's this edge that we have to entertain our crowd. We have to convey our information, play that role. But sometimes with the successes, that bleeds over. And one of the the funniest things I ever heard was John Gray, who wrote. Um, you know, John Gray, men are from Mars. Mars. Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about how he went on stage one day and he gave this amazing speech and the crowd stood up and they had the standing ovation and he was so pumped up and he went home and his wife said, you need to take out the garbage. And he was like, "Uh, do you know who I am? And she said, I don't care who you are. You need to take out the garbage. So there's that razor's edge where we got to check our egos, but also be confident enough to handle what we're supposed to be doing. Right. And that's not always easy. Did you? I think when I was younger, my ego really got inflated and in the way. And I had a hard time with relationships and traveling so much being on the road. That didn't help either. But I thought yeah. I was pretty pretty cool coming back here to Calgary. I, I got put in my place quite a few times and either accepted <laughs> it or didn't accept it. Um, and, and one of the things that one of my friends said, and he was in sales, I was in it with him at the health club afterwards, was he said, and he passed away of stomach cancer a few years ago. I never forgot these words, and they're very simple. Don't let your highs get too high, and don't let your lows get too low. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I really love and that. the Buddha says, the Buddha talks about the middle way, the middle path. 
Try to yeah. want that because that's the most yeah. happy, serene, fulfilling path there is. Yeah. No, I get you, but it's not easy, right? That's definitely no. not easy. <laughs> I know I that. I really try and check myself. I try and, you know, we wear different hats. If you're a parent with your children, you have to wear a certain hat and be a bit of an authority with them, try and be their friend at the same time. You go to mm-hmm. work or an office, you've got to have this sort of stern hat, but still have fun once in a while. You go out and hang out with your friends, let loose a little bit more, maybe drop a couple F-bombs once in a while if you do that. <laughs> uh, we, everybody does that. Hats. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Everybody has toes and everybody stubs them, so everybody does yeah. that. That's my philosophy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, like, certain times, too. Yeah. Um, kind of along that path, and we've been, I've been sort of getting the answer to the next question I'm about to ask you throughout this presentation so far, but if you had to kind of recap or add any, uh, give us any kind of ideas about things that you learned about business in general from your wrestling days experience, because I know that you've started a lot of your own successful businesses and you've had different careers since those days. From taking from the ring, what are some kind of business or marketing lessons you could pass on? I coach people on being the observer a lot uh, in consulting and stepping outside of yourself, stepping backwards, trying to see your soul, your, your body and your emotions over there and living your spirit and your soul a few feet behind and keep an eye on yourself and watch and think about what others would, would think of you too. Or if you're on video on some kind of reality TV show, what would be your highest self and, and to take yourself out of the equation. Another thing is Rick Titan is my brand. It's my model. It's my product. Rick Bogner is my real last name. Uh, what? I'm just Rick. You never told me yeah. this. Nah, That's brand new information. You're hearing it here first, people. <laughs> <laughs> you are. And so I look at Rick Titan, that brand over there, as my business, but yeah. I don't get my head swelling up about it. I'm just Rick, and that works yeah. really well for me. Yeah, I like that too because I talk to people a lot about that personality marketing, adding yourself into your into your brand. But you know what? It's funny, too, because when I'm doing videos or I'm doing things or I'm listening to a, a show, I think of that as an external person, not myself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's like, oh, when she did this, and it's like, actually, that was you. Um, what are you know? What are some of the careers you've had since you've stopped wrestling? We're kind of gonna I, we're going to go into that reinvention and what you're doing now, but maybe some of them in between. Sure. So much in the physical, but the last two years I was out there doing that. I thought, what am I going to do with myself? My body's wearing out. I'm getting really road weary. I'm tired of this, all the aggression, all the toxic, toxic people in the locker room. Uh, I, could, that, I could go on and on about that, but a lot of negativity and harshness. And I didn't want to be around it. I developed this big defense wall, and then I carried that defense wall home to my family, my parents, my brother in Vancouver as well, and mm-hmm. it, it, it distanced our relationship. It was like this six-foot-thick steel wall. And then when I got out of it, I realized there's actually some really nice people out there. And uh, I started training as a personal trainer at one of the top health clubs in Calgary, and mm-hmm. the people, because I was so driven, the people that I was training, they weren't driven at all. And I was getting depressed trying to prod them on. And they're like, I don't like that. It hurts. I don't want to. So I begged mm-hmm. the manager to put me into sales. And I got into sales and just duplicated the systems of what the other successful salespeople did around me, just as I duplicated the different characters and the different moves that I saw from my favorite wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think duplicating your systems is incredibly important and leaving a legacy. You see people like T. Harv Ecker and his millionaire mind system mm-hmm. that he's got other people doing it. He sold it for millions of dollars. Now he's doing another thing to be able to replicate things and have a good, solid system because without that, I mean, it's, it's business. We need to monetize, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. That's it. And sharing your passion, of course. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, speaking along that vein of reinventing yourself, because you're now doing coaching, but you use a lot of that, uh, that very uh, Buddhist philosophy, that yogic studies that you've done. So basically you went from a, a, a violent chair throwing maniac, right? To yeah. ha- <laughs> having spent four years studying with a Tibetan Buddhist monk. And mm-hmm. what happened to take you from that to that? Those last years, uh, probably a year and a half of traveling around on that bus in Japan and dealing with really angry, aggressive guys and being around that toxicity, I thought, what am I going to do with myself? I felt like I had a, a charcoal block for a heart after a while. I was so jaded. And I watched this cute little Japanese couple walk by the bus, and they were giggling and laughing and all smiley-faced and staring people in the eyes and saying hello and they're in love. And I thought, man, I've got to have that. I'm so tired. Instead of, what are you looking at? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just wanted to do the best. I did that. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I'm really missing out on life here. I thought I had it all figured out. I was making about 150 grand American that year. I was a world heavyweight champion, uh, bigger and stronger than I'd ever been in my life, which was my goal since I was a child. And I, and I did it all. And I felt really empty and really hollow and really jaded. I realized, okay, I've, I, I had the gift of awareness, I think. I was really lucky, I think, in that sense, because a lot of other guys, and I could name 20 names off the top of my head, who are no longer with us and died around the age of 39. And uh, I made it uh, so far to 46, almost 47 years, so I'm, I'm quite happy yeah. about that. I'm glad you're yeah. still alive. Yay. Uh, me too. <laughs> Congratulations. The awareness, though. <laughs> no, I the awareness key, though, I think, is it. And so I realized I had a short fuse. I was spoiled. I had a, a, I was impatient. I had anger issues. I had an ego. And I started learning about egolessness in the, the Hindu philosophies. I started learning about exchanging self with others. I started learning about a word that I barely knew anything about before that, compassion mm-hmm. and empathy. And, and, and sympathy being crossing that line and falling into other people's negative emotions, which I've done all my life modeling after some of my parents' patterns and, yeah. uh, and, and boundaries and things like that. And I started to know that I was becoming more emotionally healthy. And the more I learned, the more voraciously I studied. And I still read probably about three hours a day but as soon as mm-hmm. I wake up in the middle of my day, right before I go to sleep, and really try to build and evolve myself as much as possible and then share that with people when I'm speaking. And um, I realized about 15 years ago that that's something I absolutely had to do. I saw other people that looked for lack of a better term, more enlightened and, and happy and illuminated than I was. And that's what I mm-hmm. wanted. That's what I went yeah. for. I like yeah. that. That's another good lesson. I love that takeaway where you, you know, basically you have these business owners who are going to be happy when, you know, when I get the, the big break, when I have this, but it's more about, you know, you had all of the things, you had every component and you didn't feel like you were complete inside. So I love yeah. that because you went, you, what you did was you looked at your own, um, well, personality, right? You went in there and you decided, what are my beliefs and my core values? I love that. That's so cool. And now I know that you're an author, speaker, and a coach, and you're helping other people do that. And I really want you to um, tell me the name of your next book, just because I want to hear you say it. (laughs) And we'll talk a little bit about your stress. Yeah. One more time, because I interrupted you. Do it, do it. Get the crap out of your stress. (laughs) You know, it's funny, because you are probably one of the most gentle, compassionate people I've met in a long time. So I kind of do disagree with you when you say you were compassionless, because you wouldn't have uh, done the things that you were doing before. So that's just my opinion. I'm throwing it in there for free. No one asked me. Yes. (laughs) But I'm happy that you could feel it. You know what I mean? So why don't you tell me... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I have my moments, my ups and downs, and... 
you know, yeah. the peaks and valleys, even going up, you were saying about talking, speaking, and John Gray, and going home, and things like that. Mm-hmm. I always found after a while, even after a match, it was like postpartum depression. I'd be on yeah. the bus traveling for another six hours that night, we'd all be drinking beer, and, I, mm-hmm. and, the, and the adrenaline would stop, and the, the muscle pump would stop, and you'd start getting a little bit depressed, you know, and I realized that going so high and being that elated and that excited is only one direction to go after that. So I really mm-hmm. try and work with the sense of being fulfilled these days and having being gratified. And yeah. uh, I coached somebody yesterday, and it was so beautiful. She texted me afterwards, and all she said was, thank you for the gift. Yeah. Oh, I, well, you know what? I'm actually feeling that now. That's a really good reminder because, you know, as a business owner, entrepreneur, I have my fair share of type A <laughs> aggression, but, you know, yeah. I do tend to get those highs. And you're absolutely right. There's this crash after a show. And I was even with some friends and they're like, you're kind of different after an event. You're this crazy, worried, you know, stressed out person. And now yeah. you're like, <laughs> you're right. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to get your coaching. <laughs> I want to walk the middle path, Rick. Yeah. I, yeah. And I, I think it's so interesting, though, because you're, you've taken all your experiences and you're helping other people with this. Um, we only have a couple more minutes till our next commercial break, but in that time, tell us a, just a little bit about your company. Well, uh, I've got a few different seminars, usually a quarter and a fourth. I'm doing the transformation technique this Saturday, and so the first portion is letting go of the painful past to clear mm-hmm. the way and all that baggage. The second portion is kick the crap out of your stress. Uh, <laughs> that kind of goes along. When we're stressed out, we get frustrated, we get resentful, we get angry. So that other portion is melt your anger. And I'm going to do a little dabble into crush yourself, sabotage as well. So it's removing, removing, removing. And the yeah. final part is the fired up portion, which I'm doing a really cool video series in a studio on right now. So I'll be having that for sale soon. But the fired up portion is sort of some of the Buddhist background is finding that space of peace and calm and being able to walk out and share that with the world in calm confidence so that mm-hmm. you go into a business meeting, you go and you meet new people, you go and you network, and you're totally at peace and centered and aligned with your highest mm-hmm. self when you're doing that and sharing that with people rather than trying to fake something or put something out there. And a lot of these take meditative practices, but also with the fired up portion to be able to uh, it's a really unique thing about this one system, and I'm very happy about it, and I won't say proud, uh, is mm-hmm. that nobody else can teach us except for somebody who's been behind these curtains before. It's how to get mm-hmm. totally psyched up, insane, crazy, uh, full of, of self-confidence, self-esteem, just totally blasting out there. Again, if you're too over the top in a business meeting, they're going to kick you out of there, but to temper <laughs> that to whatever your lifestyle is. Boy, do I know that. To, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And to be able to call upon that whenever you so choose, at any given moment, you can snap your fingers like a switch of a light and be able to be totally psyched up. Yeah, I know. And I, I, I don't know if people get how important this is in your business, right? To look at your personality, to to do that contemplative practice that you teach them and to control your emotions. Because I think I was saying earlier, and I don't know if you would agree with me, but your personality is that. It's your emotions, how you react to things, your desires. Would you kind of say that's sort of where you would go Absolutely. with it? Yeah. And getting yeah. centered and being the observer and being able to moderate things, you know, and, and we all do things that we, we've regretted before or make mistakes, things like that, and that's fine, but trying to stay around that, what I call the PCVs, the personal core values, and live in that the best you can, stay aligned with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a, it's a big, big shift for, well, is it a big shift? That's me projecting. Do you say that's a big shift from where you were before to where you are now? 
what I love about it, and I wrote another book. It's called Wrestling with Consciousness. It's on my website, the ebook for seven ninety nine. It's all contrast. So I've been through some of the worst in relationships, in in injuries, in a toxic environment, in the physical beings. I was a bouncer between wrestling tours a lot of times too, and so mm-hmm. I saw what what the darkest side, pretty much, and, and painkiller addiction and alcohol problems. I saw what some of the darkest areas of life could be, rock bottoms. Things like yeah. that, and I lived through that. And so to go to the, to understand that, and then see the opposite, to swing the pendulum completely over to the other side as much as I can as a human yeah. being, because I'm just human, and really go for the the more illuminated side of life. Oh, I love that, forth. Rick. We're going to go to our next commercial break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about your process. And so stay tuned. We'll be right back with Rick Titan. <laughs> America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune into Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel, and get Amplified. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. What if every day was a good day for business? Because every decision you made was the best choice. What if you could receive regular input from credible sources and could acquire all the precise information you need exactly when you need it so you can make the right decision every single time? Because There's More challenges you to make better decisions. Join Laura Ellis every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, and 2 p.m. GMT on the Voice America Business Channel and learn how to think differently for better decisions, better business. You're tuned into Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. To reach Jackie or her guest today, we invite you to call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, send it to Jackie M at purepotentials.com. Now, back to Extreme Exposure. Welcome back. And what we're going to do now is we're going to tag into the ring a woman by the name of Sarah Laws. And if you've been listening to this show or if, you li- or if, you- or if you've listened to previous shows, she was on and we were talking about making great connections. And Sarah is uh, the owner of a company called Martini Mastermind, and she surrounds herself and entrepreneurs with like-minded people, with uh, people who can generate amazing ideas and who can help elevate each other. 
And so I'm going to introduce you for a minute here and just have a quick minute of Sarah and what she has to say. So welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks, Jackie. Yeah, welcome back. I'm happy you're here. Why don't you just tell everybody a little bit about your company? Uh, yeah, thanks. So it's called Martini Mastermind, um, and I do get together entrepreneurs to um, brainstorm and help push each other forward. Uh, there's nothing more powerful than a room full of smart people giving other smart people great ideas. It just up levels one thing after another, and it's just a win-win situation. So I love the power of masterminding. Yeah, I like that too. And I like how um, you really do take that concept of personality and you make sure that everyone's a really good fit because there's a lot of masterminds that don't do that. They, you know, just put a bunch of people in the room. You're very selective of who you even make that offer to, right? You put the kind of the, the wide net out there, you get to know people, and then you don't talk to them about your bigger masterminds. You sort of wait until you get to know them, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, putting the wrong people in the room can be detrimental <laughs> to everybody. And in a, yeah. in a, a limited context, that's okay because there's... Um, if you have a good facilitator because they can manage that situation, but putting somebody like I'm, I'm doing a retreat next weekend. And if you had somebody in the room that was just going to disrupt the flow for two full days, nobody would get value from that. So yeah. it's extremely important to know who, what personalities that you're putting into a room. Yeah. You wouldn't want to have, I don't know, razor Ramon in a China shop. Is that a good metaphor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to make something up on the spot, and it is not working. Um, That's it. Sarah, oh, okay, right on. Thank you. Thank you, Rick. You're very nice. <laughs> Compassionate, one might say. Um, this is just a, I wanted to have Sarah and ask her a quick tip. I want to ask her about that whole concept of reinvention. And I think people get stuck. They don't take that leap like you did, Rick. They get stuck. They let the past hold them back. They hold on to the old days. They don't continuously move forward. And so... Um, they're sitting there and they're trying to figure out who they are essentially. So Sarah, for somebody in the business situation who wants to reinvent themselves, what kind of, what kind of wisdom would you give them? Yeah, I think it, it takes a start. I mean, you have to put yourself out there. I loved Rick said earlier, you know, he had a drive and he found out he, or he had a passion for, he wanted to get into wrestling and he went out and did everything possible. It wasn't like he, he wanted to do it, but he just kind of sat in his living room and would hope and just hope to happen. He went out there networked. Um, found a mentor, which was incredibly important, and made it happen for himself. But then, um, you know, time change, time goes on and changes, and people change constantly. And uh, it wasn't the right fit for him anymore to have those personas and personalities. And sorry, Rick, to just use you as an example, but it's it's <laughs> it's perfect. Um, of you didn't let that like pigeonhole you into you just had to do that forever. You went out and you studied and you learned. And I love that you read for three hours every day. Like that's amazing and just shows the growth. But you have to put the work in to grow yeah. and change. Otherwise you're you're not gonna make take any steps forward. You end up just flailing around or absolutely getting nothing done, just frozen um, with paralysis. So my yeah, tip would like be to go out there and do something. Oh, you, oh, oh. Well, go ahead, Rick. You interrupt first because we want to really... I was just going to quickly interject and say, you know that guy from The Secret who's driving his imaginary car? He's still yeah. there today, 15 years later, driving the same imaginary car. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. So I agree 100%. So Sarah, what would you say your tip is for people who are feeling stuck, not getting started? 
I, I would just say to just do just that, just get started. My One of my biggest phrases is step one is better than step none. And go do something in the, in the direction of moving you forward, whether it's picking up a book, whether it's going out and networking and finding that mentor and just put one step. You know, you know we don't learn to run marathons from infancy. Like we have to take baby steps and crawl. But in the end, we get there and we can complete marathons and just getting out there and do something. I love that. I love that. Sarah, thank you for popping in. You're going to stick around for a bit because I have some questions I want to ask you at the end. But um, if you want to get in contact with Sarah, she has a company called Martini Mastermind. She's a brilliant facilitator. She puts amazing people into rooms, and that's martinimastermind.com. And we will get back to Rick Titan and talk a little bit about what he's doing now. Rick, why don't you tell us what you're doing now? (laughs) I, Actually, I did that last Martini Mastermind. It was great because there was no crying. Nobody lost an eye. There were no jerks in the room. And it flowed beautifully. And, and believe me, I've been to a lot of different masterminds, seen a lot of different situations, not too different from a locker room sometimes. So yeah. I, I, I condone all that. <laughs> yeah, she, she does a great job. She's won a lot of awards. And she actually, you'll like this one. She won Infusionsoft's Most Helpful Partner. And that is an absolute truth. She bends over backwards to help people. So I love that concept of compassion that we are talking mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Um, we talked about your hows, your or sorry, your your whys and how you got into things. But why don't you tell us the process and the transformation that you take a client through now, either through speaking, your book, or one-on-one coaching? You know, there's a lot of fluff out there, and whether it's real, whether it's not, whether you believe in a god or the universe or don't believe in anything at all, um, I've I've really studied the mathematical processes of things, of whether it's imagination. But when a person meditates, and I take people through guided meditations, we're speaking right now on the uh, beta brainwave level. And it's mm-hmm. you know, kind of top surface stuff. We can talk a little bit deeper because we've studied those things. But when you go into the, with the breathing states, the physiology changes, the body starts oxygenating the blood, so does the brain. Then scientists have shown it on screens and prods on the people's heads. My scientific terminology there. <laughs> I like your it. Brain waves, right? Your brain waves turn to alpha brain waves, and that's when you can go into the subconscious mind. When you can go into the subconscious mind, you can start to see and discover the patterns that have been holding you back or been very negative and stopping mm-hmm. you from enjoying your life or moving forward in your life or the blocks or the negative stuff that sits in you like a poison. And mm-hmm. that, to me, is a really big thing, and, and it's scientifically proven. So I'm also starting to study a little bit of heart math, which uh, I think is pretty cool stuff, too, how the heart vibrates out to... 10 feet or more past a human being and how the heart has emotions, which intuitively we've known for decades, but now it's being really proven scientifically. Yeah, I know. There's a lot with that. Yeah, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sitting down with a piece of paper and going through a process with people, making them write their own stuff. Not everyone likes to write it out, but I kind of forced everyone to write their stuff out. And they come up with different, it's almost like a mathematical equation and really taking that step by step forward. And that's how I transform myself and, and, uh, the philosophies, I mean, yoga philosophy for me, and well, it's a little bit back to the why, but for me it was to serve. And I realized that even wrestling, I was giving up my body for the fans, I was serving all the time. And when I was helping yeah. people in personal training, I was serving. When I was selling them a membership, even I was trying to get them to get into the gym and get yourself in better shape, you'll feel better, look better, etc. Yeah. And the um, so how, I think, is it can be really systematic. And I think that's really helpful for people because in this economic turmoil and and with the way things are going and uncertainty at all and the, the politics and everything else, 
if people are handed over a bunch of fluff and they don't really see any real results or if they don't know where they're going or don't have a real straight path, um, it, it's just more confusing and it's more overwhelmed. So I really like to take people through a real systematic approach in my mm-hmm. seminars and my consulting. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And you have a great book. And if people wanted to get a, in contact with you, where would they go? They can go to rickatricktitan.com. Actually, that's my email. Or they can just go to my website, rickatricktitan.com. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite good at getting back to people so far. Not real big overwhelm, but who knows in the next few years. Nice, nice. So before we end this show, I'm going to do some fun rapid-fire questions for both you and Sarah, and I just want you to answer them. Uh, Same question will apply, so I'll start with you, Rick. Favorite wrestling move and why? (laughs) Powerbomb, because it's so extreme and exciting. Ooh, powerbomb. I'm going to use that one. Okay, Sarah, same question. Favorite wrestling move and why? (laughs) Okay. Well, I I don't know if... Uh, it's an actual wrestling move or not, but the schoolyard pin. <laughs> oh, yeah, the schoolboy, they call it. Yeah. Oh, and the why would be um, it's actually how I passed my self-defense class in college. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. How, why is that? You just you were really good at the move? or? Uh, well, yeah, so <laughs> no, and I was, I was terrible at class, and I was late, and I never showed up. I, we did a lot of squats. I thought we were doing more fighting uh, or defending, if you will. And uh, so finals came, and we had to demonstrate our, the move that we learned. So I went and found the, the hottest girl in my class, and I was like, listen, let's just let's do a schoolyard pin. <laughs> Chest right. to chest, and uh, we both passed with flying colors. Flying colors, that's the way to go. Nice. That would work, right? It's persona. <laughs> Love it. Okay, so uh, Rick, a mentor. Who would be a mentor to you? My friend Ken Larson. Uh, I'm six foot six. He's six foot eight. He almost went to the the Olympics for Canada for basketball. He, he's got a great story about last man on the bench. He also went to SFU, Simon Fraser University in BC, with Terry Fox. So he invited mm-hmm. me to see him speak at uh, Simon Fraser, or sorry, at Terry Fox High School here in Calgary quite a while back, and it was so awesome as he told the story and built it up and rocked these kids and teachers' worlds. Do you know who that was? Was his final <laughs> question there, and they all just blew through the roof. A great guy, too. Oh, I love that. Sarah, same question. Who is your mentor? Uh, I would have to say it's Micah Mitchell. Um, he is the one of the co-founders of Membarium, and he, he is just absolutely changed my life. Uh, when I met him, I was an employee at a law firm and um, still to this day pushes me to do my best and think beyond my um, my realm of possibilities and just always constantly pushing me to grow. I love that about you. You know, uh, both of you, it's the exact same thing. You do coaching, uh, Rick, and you have, uh, you're a speaker. Sarah, you do masterminds. You're also a speaker. And I think that what's really important for people to know about the both of you, and that's why you're on this show, is the fact that you walk your walk. You don't just have a bunch of advice for people. You actually go out there and you have your own mentors and you do your own inner work. So I love that about both of you. Uh, We only have two more minutes and let's just go with the final question. Rick, your favorite book? How to Make One Hell of a Prophet and Still Get Into Heaven by John D. Martini. <laughs> I love the title. Okay, <laughs> yeah. nice. Sarah, same question. Mine would have to be Think and Go Rich, Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, I just love the idea of surrounding yourself with smart people. And although some people might think it's outdated, the same principles, same core principles uh, apply today. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I think 
we've talked a lot about the steel chairs. So I'm just going to throw it out there. I really do love the steel chair maneuver. And after talking to you and finding out that that's a real thing, <laughs> I'm even more impressed with the whole thing. <laughs> well, I hope that, you know, people will really get out there and look you guys up because you're both doing amazing things. And that was Rick, Rick, no, sorry, is it ricktitan.com? Ricktitan.com, yeah. Ricktitan.com. Do you have a Facebook page as well? I do. I've got a personal and a business page. My personal is almost up to 5,000 people, so I'm going to have to be completely over on my fan page soon. Uh, also on LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. Okay, perfect. And Sarah, do you have any uh, a Facebook page, or is it your website is the best way to get a hold of you? Facebook, um, great to find me on. I have a page and martinimastermind.com. Perfect. Thank you both so much for joining me today. It's I love hanging out with the both of you. I'm happy that I got to meet you. I've gotten so many great ideas. Um, Thank you so much for spending your time with me, and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for joining us this week on Extreme Exposure, the power of personality marketing. We're here live every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your host, Jackie McClinigan, can't wait to bring you another show next week.